just play me off, just walk up. Uh, I'm trying to keep it as best I can on here. Um, if you would turn to the book of Numbers 23 and 19, I'm going to be reading now the King James Version. Numbers 23 and 19. And I'm going to go ahead and start reading. It says, God is not a man that he should lie, nor a son of man that he should repent. Has he said, and will he not do? Or he spoken, and will he not make it good? I'm going to take my title, this message, from the last part of this. Has he said, and will he not do? Brother Massey, if you please pray over the word. God, we thank you for your word. I thank you, first of all, God, for what I feel already in this place. I know your word is anointed. I pray that you would anoint this man of God as he yields unto your spirit, God. I bind anything that is here that is not Christ-like. I plead the blood in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you so much. You put your hands together one more time for God. Thank you, Jesus, for your word. In this scripture, it says God is not a man. He's not held back by flesh and blood like us. He doesn't battle with lust. He doesn't battle with sin. He doesn't battle with vices. So when he says something, you can take it to the bank. It's going to happen. If there's blessings that God has spoke over you, you can take that to the bank. If there's promises that God has promised you, even though you haven't seen it up to this day, You can take it to the bank. He said he is not a man that he should lie. He's not going to tell you something that did not fulfill his word. He's he's truthful in everything that he says, in everything that he does. I remember God had promised me many years about coming on staff here. And year and year, year went by and year went by and year went by and I was at a secular job in the financial industry, and it was a year passing by, and I remember being transferred to different financial uh, centers and, and everything else, but I would always go, and if it was the vice president, if it was the, the branch manager, whoever it was, and I was there for the initial meeting, and I was there, I'd always tell them, hey, this, this is my job. This ain't my career. This is not what I'm going to be doing for the rest of my life. And I'd let them know. I say to my bishop, whenever he tells me it's time to go, I'll be decent enough to give you a two weeks notice. But I'm not going to be here when the man of God says it's time to go. Because God had made me a promise years ago. There was time that went by, but I never lost hope. There was time that had already expired, and I was there. I said, God, did you forget about me? And God said, I'm not a man that I would lie. I'm not a man that I'd tell you something, then renege on what I told you. If I promise you something, I'm going to fulfill that promise. We look at how society has changed so much in the past few years. You know, when I was working for the financial industry, usually we try to forecast at least two years out for auto loans, for personal loans, for CDs, for for annuities, for growth. And we're always trying to expand. We're always there forecasting promotions and everything else that was going on. And I remember when the pandemic had hit, 
all of a sudden the world was brought to its knees. All of a sudden the way of life that we've lived this far has changed. It changed in a minute. It changed in a blink of an eye. All of a sudden everything that we ever knew had changed. But there was one thing that never changed. In Malachi 3 and 6, it says, For I am the Lord, and I do not change. Therefore you are not consumed, O son of Jacob. What happened here, even though the Israelites weren't living right, they were there, they got away from giving God what was his. But there was a promise that the Israelite people would be blessed. And he was there, he said, hey, the promises that I have, even though you're living the way that you are, even though you transgress on my word and you're keeping things that you're supposed to give me, my word doesn't change. If I say you're blessed now, then you'll be blessed tomorrow. If I say you're blessed tomorrow, then next year you'll be blessed. And so on and so forth. For the rest of your life, if you live according to my word, Church, we are a blessed people. There are promises that God has made us, and we've got to live in the blessings. We can't live at what we see right now. We can't be there and be shaken like everybody else is shaken. What happened is, is when that pandemic had hit, people felt what true fear was. If they didn't fear before, all of a sudden the stock market started just to tumble down. All of a sudden, everything that they ever saved up all of a sudden was lost. 10, 20, 30, $40,000 at a time. Why do I know? Because people came in in a panic. Because everything that they planned for, their five year, their 10 year, their 15 year plan that they had, their retirement that they had, changed in a blink of an eye. But God is saying, if you're faithful and you listen to my word, don't worry about what you see out there because I never change. The blessings of my people will be forever. But it all starts with obedience. He says, if you're obedient, then you're there and you, you have access to the blessings. In Deuteronomy 28, let's read 1 through 8. So Deuteronomy 28, 1 through 8. I'll give you a second while I take a sip of water. This is Moses talking to the Israelite people, and he's going over the blessings when they're obedient to the word of God. Verse 28 says, now it shall come to pass if you diligently obey the voice of the Lord your God to observe carefully all his commandments, which I have commanded you today, that the Lord your God will set you high above all nations of the earth. And all these blessings shall come upon you and overtake you because you obey the voice of the Lord your God. Blessed shall you be in the city. And blessed shall you be in the country. Blessed shall you be, be the fruit of your body, the produce of the ground, and in the increase of your herds, the increase of your cattle, and the offspring of your flocks. Blessed shall you be, be your baskets and your kneading bowl. Blessed 
Blessed shall you be when you come in, and blessed shall you go when you go out. The Lord will cause your enemies who rise up against you to be defeated before your face. They shall come against you one way and flee before you seven ways. Verse 8 says the Lord will command the blessings on you in your storehouses and in all to which you set your hand. And he will bless you in the land which the Lord, your God, is giving you. God is giving us nations. God is giving us regions. He said if you're obedient, then you have access to these blessings. You look at the world, how they struggled financially. And you look at the church. God had spoke. And he said, if you give me what is mine, if you give me the tithe and the offering, you'll never want for anything. If you give God what is his, you have access to the blessings. We have been blessed more now in the pandemic when it's going through than anybody else who's been out there. You look at businesses that have shut down. You look at churches where no one in person is there no more. But this church, this house, who's obedient to his word, is blessed. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. You ask yourself, how can Moses say this? Because he's been through some things. When he was there... And God had told him to lead the people out of Egypt, out of bondage. He had to trust the word of God that was spoken before him. Because the enemy, when it was on his tail, and they had him blocked in, there was the Red Sea in front of him. And he was there, and he was between two decisions. Do I believe what God has said, or do I go back into imprisonment where we were at before? You can believe what the devil says and go back and be handcuffed and shackled the way you are your whole life. Or you can step out by faith and say, hey, I've lined up with everything that the man of God has said. Everything that the man of God has said. And when you line up with everything that the man of God has said, you have access to the blessings. And when things step in your way and the enemy's on your tail, you can look at God and God will make a way and he'll split the Red Sea and you'll walk on dry ground because you are blessed. We are blessed people. You might be discouraged because you ain't seen your blessing yet. You ain't seen your promise come to fruition. But I'm telling you, God is not a man that who should lie. He doesn't change. His word is still the same. Let's look real quick at an example of an experience that happened to them in Numbers 22, 1 through 6. And I'm going to read for time's sake. And let you know what's going on here. So what happened, that God had already took the, uh, Moses and the, and the Israelites out of Egypt, out of captivity. Now they're going around, inhabiting, driving out people, the Amorites. They went into to Jasor, the surrounding areas. They just defeated Og, the king of Bashan, and left no survivors. So they're taking the nations and the, and the, and, and, and the places, the regions that God has given. They're inhabiting to it because God has given to them because they're blessed. And they're, they're taking what God has said is theirs. All of a sudden, 
King Balak, he's there. He's the king of Moab. And all of a sudden, he sees all the children of Israel getting close to him. And he knows that the blessings of God is on them. And all of a sudden, he's worried about them taking over and inhabiting Moab also. Because he's, hey, it's all right that they took everybody else. But let me try to get a prophet to go out there and curse them. Because I don't want them to inhabit this place. But what happened was God had already promised in Moab. God had already promised that they're going to take the nations. What happened is Balak was there and he was trying to, to, trying to hold on to what wasn't his anyway. So he thought he could get a man of God to go curse the children of Israel. But, but Balaam was known as a wicked prophet. He was there. He could hear from God, but his motives weren't right. There was something in it for him. But what happened was this God had bound him to say exactly what God had said. So even though he was wicked, he couldn't curse anything. He could only bless if God told him. So Numbers 22, we'll read 1 through 6 real fast. It says, Then the children of Israel moved and camped in the plains of Moab on the side of, the, of Jordan across from Jericho. Now Balak, the son of, of Zippor, saw all the, uh, that Israel had done to the Amorites. And Moab was exceedingly afraid of the people because they were many. And Moab was struck with dread because of the children of Israel. So Moab said to the elders of the Midians, Now this company will lick up everything around us as an ox licks up the grass of the field. And Balak and the son of Zippor was king of the Moabites at this time. Then his messengers to ba- to ba- sent his messengers to Balaam and the son of Baor at Pethor, whatever that is, which is near the river in the land of the sons of his people to call him saying, look, a people has come from Egypt. See, they cover the face of the earth and are sitting next to me. Therefore, please come at once. Curse this people for for me, for they are, are too mighty for me. Perhaps I shall be able to defeat them and drive them out of the land. For I know that, I want you to catch this right here. It says, I know that he whom you bless is blessed and he whom you curse is cursed. So Balak was banking on the prophet of God to curse him because he knew if he cursed him, then he couldn't take the land that he possessed at that time. But what he didn't understand was the control was in God's hands, not in man's hand. Because what happens is when it goes into man's hand, we change. You can look at people who, who are going to college right now. And they start out and they major in one thing. And the next year you talk to them, oh, no, I'm majoring in something else. And then all of a sudden you, a year goes by and know they're majoring in something else now. And you're like, man, you've changed so many times. You look at it financial-wise. People who had investments all of a sudden started yanking everything out when the stock market started to tumble. And even though all the financial advisors were saying, hey, ride this out and let it go, people were saying, oh, no. The market has changed, so I want a guarantee. I'll take my money making three and a half, four percent, and put it in something that's earning a half a percent. Because of fear and panic. So what happens is he's there thinking he can trick the man of God into cursing. Now what happens in that time is cursings and blessings were considered irrevocable. And he was there. So irrevocable means not to be revoked or recalled, unable to be repealed or annulled. It was unalterable. 
Unalterable means, means not capable of being altered, changed, or modified. So when God said you were blessed, you were blessed. And when God said you were cursed, you were cursed. There was nothing that was going to change the hand of God. No man changed. God never changed. So Balak, he's there. And he, he's there. He's trying to get the, the children of Israel to be cursed. And he, he, go, he goes, and, and God tells him, yeah, go, go ahead. Go ahead and go. So he's, okay, I'm going to go ahead and go. But when, he, when the Lord has said that, it's kind of like you telling your kid, hey, don't touch the iron. And when they go over there and they go to touch the iron, go ahead and touch it and see what happens. And like, oh, okay. Ah, crying, crying. Sucks to be you. That's what happens. I told you not to, but you did anyways. So the messengers go over there, and they talk him into going. And on the road, he's over there, and the donkey that is riding sees the angel of the Lord, and he's going to kill Balaam. And the donkey's there, and all of a sudden, he goes into the field, and Balaam hits him, and he's like, what are you doing? And then it says that the angel of the Lord stood in a narrow path in the vineyard, and there was walls on both sides, and the donkey kind of squeezes and crushes Balaam's foot, and Balaam hits the donkey again. And a third time, the angel of the Lord stands right in front and blocks all access, and the donkey just lays down. And Balaam hits him again. And what happens, the Lord opens the donkey's mouth, and the donkey is like, bro, you hit me three times. What's up with that? You riding me over here? I'm tired, feet hurting. I'm glad I crushed your foot. But he didn't realize that the pain he was going through was to save his life. What happens is when we're directed sometimes to go and go over there and say a word from God, it's not comfortable. It hurts sometimes. And we're there, we blame the thing that hurt us. But you don't realize that it was a saving grace of God that was there trying to spare you and save your life. And we get mad and we want to strike at the thing that is trying to save us. There are detours sometimes that God will take us on because our plans, it's our plans, not God's plans. And he takes us on detours to save us and get us where we're supposed to go. And we get mad because it doesn't line up with our five-year plan. Sister Ruth, our goals, it doesn't line up. And we can't check the next box off. And we get frustrated because, oh, it's rolling into a new year. And I still haven't marked off everything for 2021. And God is saying, I'm just trying to line you up. I'm trying to take you to a place where you'll have a word for the man of God. I'm trying to take you to a place where you'll have a word for the man who is wicked trying to possess a land that ain't his anyways. So he's there, and he, he, he meets Balak, and they're there, and they're, uh, you know, he's wanting him to, per, to, to curse uh, the Israelite people. And he, he tells, he tell, uh, uh, Balaam tells him, well, uh, make seven altars and make these sacrifices and stand by the altar. I'm going to go meet with the Lord and see what he has to say. And so he goes, he meets with God, and he already warned Balak already that whatever God says, I have to come back and tell you. So he's there, he goes, 
And he says, then the Lord put a word in Balaam's mouth. This is when he returned and returned to Balak. And thus you shall speak. So he returned to him. And there he was standing by the burnt offering. He and all the princes of Moab. And he took up his oracles and said, Balak, the king of Moab, has brought me from Aram, from the mountains of the east. Come curse Jacob for me and come denounce Israel. And he says, how shall I curse whom God has not cursed? And how shall I denounce whom the Lord has not denounced? And from the top of the rocks I see him. And from the hills I behold him there. And people dwell alone, not reckoning itself among the nations. Who can count the dust of Jacob? He's saying, man, I can't even count all them. Or number one-fourth of Israel, let me die the death of the righteous and let my end be like his. Then Balak said to Balaam, what have you done to me? I took you to curse my enemy and look, you have blessed them bountifully. Because it wasn't Balaam who was doing the blessing. It was God. And even though he went there and thought he was going to give them a word of destruction for the people, he could not touch them. Sister Moreno, he couldn't pluck him out of the hand of God. How much he tried. Because when you're blessed of God, you're blessed. So this goes on a second time. And then all of a sudden he returns back. He did the same altars. Well, he uh, different mountain altars and the same sacrifice. And he returned. And this is where the beginning of scripture that I, that I started with. It says, God is not a man that he should not lie, nor the son of man that he should repent. He, has he said and will he not do? He said they were blessed. They were going to be blessed. And he says, or has he spoken and he not made it good behold I have received a commandment to bless he has blessed and I cannot reverse it I can't reverse it no one here can reverse it when God says that you're blessed you're blessed don't let the enemy steal your blessing the devil's going to try to deceive you and talk you out of your blessing you look back at Jacob and Esau, and you look how he stole his brother's birthright and he stole his blessing. But what happened is Jacob had to act like somebody he wasn't. His brother was hairy. He had a dress like his brother. He couldn't be himself. He was a deceiver, and he was going to deceive his father of the blessing. His mother, Rebecca, was in cahoots with him, and they were going to deceive and get the blessing of his brother. So they were deceitful in what they did. And when he went and he presented himself to his father, he was there. And his father said, hey, your hands are like Esau, but your voice is like Jacob. What happens is we can get so comfortable with feelings that we can feel something and be deceived by the devil. What you need to do is hear the voice of God and lean on that and understand today that you're blessed. Don't let the devil take your blessing. You can walk in places you were never supposed to walk. What happened was is Jacob wanted a blessing that wasn't his. It was a man. There are blessings of man and there's blessings of God. You heard Bishop say before, if you don't pay your tithes and offering and all of a sudden you find a hundred bucks on the ground or someone gives you a hundred dollars, that's not of God, that's of man. 
If you're not obedient, you can't have the same blessing as everybody else that's, that's doing the right thing and, and going according to the ordinance of God. We don't want the blessings of man. Jacob was a perfect example. He couldn't be himself. He had to act like something he wasn't. Man, the other day, it disturbed me so much. I was on social media, and it popped up on Facebook about people you may know. And all of a sudden, years ago, before Bishop was Bishop here, he, uh, Brother Wallace was, was, was pastor here, and used to have evangelists come in, used to have prophets come in. And one of the evangelists that I grew up hearing it popped his name up and popped his picture up. I said, that can't be him. He's dressed like a fairy. <laughs> and I was sitting there, and I looked, and I pushed on a little button to see who it was. All of a sudden, he had tight pants and a little hat and everything. I was like, bro. Church looks like it's thriving. But if you walk in and you walk out, you can't tell the difference of who's who. So what happens, you can get caught up in the blessings of man. Because the blessings of man, they want more. And all of a sudden, everything that God has given to someone else, and God said, if you line up, you have this. But what happens, there's people who will try to be deceivers and take the same word and the same blessing and turn into something that they're not and deceive people. And I seen a prophet a while back. He used to speak a word into this church, and he's went left. And what happens is these people can hear from God. They think because they can still hear from God that they're all right. <laughs> but he's a wicked prophet, just like, just like ba Balaam was. <laughs> just because you hear from God doesn't mean you're all right. <laughs> so all of a sudden, I was there, and I said, God, why did they take the turns like this? God, I don't understand how you could do this and just, just throw down the word of God and what you believe and start taking upon these things. But Brother Massey, you said it one night. You said when you start opening those doors up, what happens, you got to start dealing with those things. But what happens, they're not mad enough to stand up and say, hey, I made a mistake. And they can never change their church. Pride gets a hold of them. And all this, I got two more minutes and I'll hop off. But I'm telling you, don't let the devil deceive you. We are blessed, church. Sister, we're one body. We're one unit. Every bout, every mechanism that is here, we need everybody that's here. We are a blessed people. Don't let the devil deceive you into saying that you're something that you're, that you're not. Don't try to act like something that you're not either. Don't try to steal someone's blessing. If you're not, God didn't call you to do that. If God just called you to enter in the house of God, the scripture she read today, today said that you're blessed when you come in the house of God. If you're just a doorkeeper, you're one of the most valuable people here. If you sit on the pew, we need you because we want your blessing also. Church, we may change our views. You may change your goals in life. But there's one thing you better never change is your relationship with God. Don't live an unblessed life when you're called to be blessed.